0: Hey, this is Ed Pedersen, and welcome to Episode 5 of The Slide Area, the podcast that is all things slide guitar, lap steel, pedal steel, delta style. We're trying to cover all of it here, folks. And uh, this episode, we feature the magnificent, legendary Calvin Cook from the Sacred Steel Slide Guitar Heritage Doug Cox of Canada, who will be in an upcoming episode, put me together with Calvin, and I had such a great time talking to him, and I'm trying to mix up these podcasts, split them up between Pedal Steel lap Steel and Delta Style, that uh, I thought it was time we went to the sacred steel. We got a little religion here. You know what I'm saying? So um, I hope you enjoy my talk with Calvin. He was very ebullient and effusive and all those E words as well as being just a great cat. So listen to the great Calvin Cook.
1: So let me ask you, uh, did you start playing uh, the lap guitar? Cause I guess in sacred steel, it's it's, it, it can be pedal steel, but it can also be lap steel.
2: Lap. Right. Right. I started uh, playing, left, it might be in in 56, I believe it was, or either 57, Um, um, actually what happened, um, when uh, we started, well, my mother was going to church all the time, we went a lot, and they didn't have any music, Um, we had left, they had left a church we grew up in, I don't know what the reason was, but a bunch of people left and started their own church, and they didn't have any music. The church we were in had a whole band, steel guitar, uh, regular guitar for backup, and drums. Sometimes it would be a four piece with a piano. And uh, when my mother and all the other people left, this lady started her own church, uh, name of uh, May Hodge. Well, actually we went into another organization. And uh, this was in Cleveland, Ohio, I think maybe about 56. I mean, I had the date right. But um, then uh, Elder Hodge, she bought a guitar and and gave it to me and said, you learn this, so we'll have some music. And we were like in a, um, uh, back in those days, we we were in like a storefront and um, I was so small, I couldn't play the regular guitar with my hands, so I went in the kitchen and got a knife and started playing it like a steel guitar uh, with, with the knife. And my mother said, he's not gonna play this. Um, <laughs> uh, play the regular guitar, I see that now. So in Cleveland, that was a street called Huff Street, which it had... Um, uh, with everybody else, it would seem like it was real bad because they had a lot of pimps, prostitutes. Everything was going on, but it never bothered. They never bothered us. It never affected us. And then at my age, I didn't know what was going on then anyway because we were walk free, and all up and down the street it had pawn shops, barbecue shops, any kind of shop you wanted, and people would just flood over there. And we were free. Um, nobody bothered us we never had any problems and uh, my mother went one day and bought a lap six string Rickenbacker guitar steel and brought it home and she said here uh, try this and learn this she brought the bar and the picks and all and brought it home from that pawn shop and um, she played piano so I would take it to church. I couldn't play a lick. But I guess they just wanted some noise. And then my mother, during the day when I come home from school, she would practice with me. And uh, I didn't know how to read music or anything like that. But then she would uh, play the piano, piano and like, glory, glory. And she would say, that's one. That's the first shred, number one. Hallelujah. Then two two. Since I laid my bed two, but in time, glory, glory. Then she say one. Hallelujah. When I went to that, that was three. So she would count one, two, three. And every time that sound, one, I knew the sound, two, I knew the sound, three. And she would play it and mix it up. Then she'd say three, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> and then uh, when I go to church, she would look at me and when they would sing certain songs, she said, Listen. Just listen at the sound. And that's how I started learning and,
1: and started playing. Was was uh was this uh when you when you started tuning your instrument, were you tuning to an open chord or was it standard guitar tuning?
2: Actually back then it was tuned to a, a
1: tune called Vastapu. Gotcha, yeah.
2: I, I don't, uh, Vastapu that I played with. I knew how to tune that. And uh, um, 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 and so I learned that way. And then later on, when um, I think starting in 57, uh, the organization that we had went to sent us a bishop and his name was uh, henry harrison and uh, my cousin started playing that guitar that i couldn't play that elhaja bar i had the steel guitar and him and i would play in our regular service and we both was learning at, at the same time my cousin's name was maynard sofa and him and i would play and um um they helped us a great deal until They would have a convention or something. We wasn't allowed to play in that. We wasn't as good as the boys that come in town and that would come and play at that time. And then they had one guy named uh, Bobby Tolliver that lived in Dayton, Ohio. He was very, very good. Matter of fact, he lives in Orlando, Florida. He's about 80-something years old. He spent a lot of time with me in Ohio, at that time he was living in Dayton, Ohio, hmm. and um, he spent a lot of time with helping me with attitudes and learn how to play and not be no more than others. And he would let me know that whatever he taught me, give it to somebody else because he always remind me if you held it, then you couldn't get nothing back. And he always would let me know that God had other. Music and tunes, and to bless you with if you help somebody else. You so say, All I ask you to do is help somebody else, like I helped you.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Did you, uh, <clears throat> now today, do you, what tuning do you use today? Um,
2: actually, um, uh, um, I have it written down.
1: Has it, it's changed since back then?
2: Yes, yes it has, because in 19, um, what I was playing in, at that time, I think in 58, 1958, or might have been 59, um, uh, the bishop wanted, uh, me and my cousin to go with him and play while he made bishop visits, and, uh in the south
3: hmm.
2: and so we went with him uh and he had a son who played steel guitar his name was Stalin harrison and he played lead and steel and him and i would switch switch up um back then i learned how to play the lead guitar fluently um because we all helped each other and um in 19 it might have been 1959. Uh, might have been 1959. We were in, um, um, I believe it was Macon, not Macon, but um, um, oh, we're part of Georgia. Um, Grace was the other city, not hers, the big, the big city of uh, no that Barbara lives in. Uh, early lives in. That's when, uh, Augusta, Georgia. Ah. Augusta, Georgia. We were there working on churches because uh, uh, Bishop Hassan was a carpenter. And during the daytime, he would have, um, he would fix the church or whatever the people needed or fix the roof, help build churches. And at night, we would play uh, during the service uh, when he had a revival or tent meeting and whatnot. And um, this particular uh, summer, we were—I believe it was in July. Um, I believe it was in July. We were in 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 uh, um, Augusta, and I had a dream. Um, I was dreaming, and I heard the tuning that I play now, just as plain as I'm talking to you. And I woke up that morning and Bishop Harrison was sitting at the table reading the paper. And I told him about the dream. He said, do you remember the dream? I said, yes, it still keep ringing in my ear. He said, go get the guitar. And so I went and got it. He said, can you tune it to what you've been showed? And I said, I'm gonna try. And I was asking him what was going on. And he said at that time, he said, I believe God is giving you something that nobody else had.
3: Hmm.
2: And and I didn't understand that at that time because um, our church is a Pentecostal church. And uh, I didn't understand what he was saying and uh, what he was mean. All I was looking at was the girls and traveling (laughs) and doing while we were out of school for the summer. So I tuned the guitar up. Exactly what I heard. And, uh, uh, and this is this is the um, tuning E D B G sharp
1: mm-hmm.
2: E B E E hmm. Huh. But back then it was the E. It
1: was the sixth string, so it would have been E D B G sharp E. Indeed. Uh, E E. E E. Right. So, 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 yeah, so the instead of the, what would normally be the high string being a D back then, you went E E, and then when you had the H strings, you went E D E E. Right. Oh, that's cool.
2: Because it gave me a different sound, and uh, out of all the older uh, people, they played a Hawaiian style in the church. And that created a totally different style for me and I didn't realize it and so Bishop Harrison said, Well, we have in church tonight and if uh, you go practice that he said, I believe God giving you something that's totally different. He said, I never heard of that before. I never heard that kind of tone before. He said, Matter of fact I never heard that kind of sound and he said, That's different. If God giving you this uh, he said, let me remind you, you're an exceptional, different type person because he deals with people, certain people that he wants to do certain things. And I still didn't understand that, uh, what he was saying, but those words. And back then I was talk to my mother and, and I told her about it. And she said, well, when you get home, then let me listen at it, and we're here, uh, see what's going on. And she said, oh, my goodness. And then that night, we went to, the, went to church and played, and uh, Maynard and Stalin was saying, man, I can't believe that this is different. And we started playing, and in our church, people get happy, and they dance and get very emotional. So we had a very good time that night, and after service, when we got back home, uh, the people we stand with, Bishop Harrison said, that's yours. God's giving you something, now you develop that. But being young, I still wasn't really understanding what he was saying spiritually about that. But I kept the tune and kept playing with it and kept playing. And then in, um, in our music world, the, the church world, it depends on, on what kind of tune you're playing, how you play and whatnot. And the the, the more we started playing, In the summertime with Bishop Harrison, the more aggressive we started. And then uh, this lady was the leader of the church called uh, M.F.L. Keith. She was the leader of the organization we was in. And she told uh, Bishop Harrison, I want uh, these boys to start playing for me, so bring them to Nashville. And our church, Nashville, was the ultimate place to play. If you played in Nashville, because that's where all the churches and everybody met throughout this organization came in June. And when we played, we created a different sound, a totally different sound from what the other people had been playing. And so I played there ever since. And this year is 60. 61 years.
1: 60 and, and, and so you're, but you're based in Georgia or you... Well,
2: actually, uh, I was in, I'm, I was born and raised in Cleveland. That's where I learned how to play the guitar. I left Cleveland, was on my way to Florida, stopped in, um, when I was in my 20s and stopped in um, um, uh, Detroit to visit my friends. And uh, um, I was leaving that Monday, heading to Florida. And a friend of mine asked me would I take him to Chrysler they were hiring. And I was going to Florida to live. And my mother had been getting on me about stop playing for the church because I really wasn't making no money,
3: hmm. worth
2: anything. But that's all I knew, and I enjoyed it. And uh, um, then Chrysler. Was high and so my friend said, "Would you bring me back?" I said, "Yeah." So I was waiting on him, and they passed out the the um, forms to apply for the job. So I just went on and, and 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 filled it out. And the guy said, "Do not ask for a janitor job." It, it was the word. It was whispering because then they'll let you go because they are none. They said, "No, everybody's not going to be a janitor because they worked a lot." and made good money at them. Mm. And so, um, they said, the one's name that I call, you stay here. Don't call, you stay here. When I call your name, you can go home. They called my friend's name, he went home, and they didn't call my name, so I stayed. Hmm. So, along with the other people, um, well then when they called me uh, in for an interview, uh, and told me about Chrysler and everything. And they said, what job uh, are you interested in? I called myself being smart. I said, I'm gonna tell them I want a janitor's job so I can go on home. <laughs> and I said, uh, I want a janitor's job. The guy said, what? So I knew I was ready to go home. The guy said, we got one left and you can start tonight.
3: <laughs>
2: I like to fell out and I said, well, okay. And the people I was staying with, they were like close family, and uh, the uh, deacon of the church here, there in Detroit, said, well, you can stay here. And his wife said, you you already run with my kids, and uh, (laughs) stay right here until you get on your feet. Don't pay no rent, these kids ain't paying no rent. Just help out with food. Just stay here, cause we, you know, this is where you always stay when you come anyway. And so I stayed there, got my job, and that man really helped me. He was like a father to me, cause my father died when I was uh, 12, my stepfather. And um, uh, so I stayed there with them, and I wound up staying in Detroit, got married, Uh, I had four girls and worked until I was, um, worked for 31 years, and
1: then I retired. At Chrysler? Yes. Wow. Now, okay, so you were playing in the church on weekends then too, yeah? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, Playing for
2: the church and then traveling um, uh, uh, throughout the church because they would call us, call us to come and play uh, different places. But way, let me go back. Before Chrysler, uh, uh, Maynard and Stalin, Stalin got drafted. Uh, Maynard went on and joined the Navy uh, or the Marines. I don't know which one it was. Um, and they wind up moving to Seattle, Washington. And they went to another church. I stayed in the church all this time and played, but I played on the weekends at the church I was in. Then when they had conventions, different places they would call me to come and play. So on the weekends I would go to uh, Chicago or, or different parts of Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, different places where they had me to play back in those, the younger days. And uh, um, and then... Um, then went through other um, uh, situations with a divorce and got remarried and different things. So I wind up staying home a little more, but then every year in Nashville, I would play for the convention every year, me and another guy and some other guys, but I was one of the main musicians who played there for all these years.
1: And in that, Nashville. Right, Nashville. right. So that's how your name started to spread around more, too, right? Right,
2: right. I was the longest, I'm the longest playing uh, musician in that organization, I believe, right now. And all the other musicians from there had played up under me.
1: Wow. And so let me ask you a question. When you were working at Chrysler now, uh, so before you got the job at Chrysler, how much time were you practicing when you weren't working? And then after you got the job, did it cut into your practice?
2: Actually, um, I didn't practice because I played almost every day all the time. And, um, 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 and then once I set the guitar out, I didn't bother it unless something came to me and I would practice that to perfect it. And then when it came time to play it, I would show it to the guys I'm playing with. And like in church, we would like pick a time to play it when people get emotionally and that would help the people. It would be like something that really drive the service and, uh, 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 and we, I had a certain set of guys that we played with uh, for years together and whatnot. And so that's how that worked. Huh. And, and then when I got at Chrysler, um, my uh, ex-wife and I and the kids, uh, we traveled all over the place, all over the church. And she would drive me and when we had the kids we go to the different conventions. They've called for me to come play there at the different conventions and uh, then come home. Sometimes I come home at 5.30, be at work at 6 o'clock. Did mm. it a lot of times.
3: Wow.
1: So you were playing so much it essentially was practice. Right, right, right. right. Now, uh, so at one point... You had basically started on lap, but then you switched to pedal steel, because that's where well, you... Well,
2: in 70, 73, 1973, um, uh, my cousin, um, um, we call him Tubby, he took me by a shop in Cleveland. I come home to visit, and he said, man, I want to show you something, man. He played steel guitar. So, by the way, all my cousins, uh, uh, male cousins, played lead guitar or steel guitar, played some type of instrument. But this is what we were raised on. All of them. Mm. And uh, if, if they didn't, they were ministers. Gotcha. Uh, some Of uh, some sort.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, 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 so my cousin, Tuppy took, took me over to this little shop in Cleveland. Uh, It wasn't too far from the basketball stadium that they had at the time. might be the same one. Um, And this steel guitar was an MSA. Five pedals, foot pedals, four knees, sitting in the window, black by itself. Hmm. I thought that was the prettiest thing I ever seen in my life. (laughs) And I went home and told my mother about it. We was talking about it. She said, oh, yeah? Oh, where's the place at? You know? And I was trying to tell her what Tubby showed me and the guitar or whatever, but I was just home visiting. I brought the, the grandkids home so they could see her. And I didn't, had no idea that she was thinking about what I said or whatever. At the time, that guitar was $900. Whoa, well, yeah. The guitar is worth, uh, now you would get that same guitar as about $4,000 to $5,000. <laughs> and so, uh, and I still have it. I still have the guitar, original guitar.
1: Wow.
3: <laughs> and
2: she said, um, so we went back home, uh, had to go to work, and I didn't think any more about it. I forgot what money it was. But, and when June came in, in, in 73, My mother said, when you leave Nashville, um, find a week to come home or a few days for a few days, something I got for you and I want you to come and get it. I said, okay. And I'm trying to figure out what was it, me and my ex-wife, I wonder what mama got for me. Hmm. And she always would say, I'm sick or I'm dying. They put her in the hospital and she said, oh, I'm going to be gone, this and that, and until we... Sometimes we would jump up, and my sister called me and said, Mom in the hospital," so we rush over there, three-hour ride,
3: and see her. Next thing we know, she up hmm. and doing fine. So
2: uh, my, my ex-wife said, "Maybe don't take it for granted. Just let's go. On. We're gonna pack the kids up and go home." This, well, after Nashville it became July, so about we decided we go on the fourth. Of July, and spend time with her and the family. She was home. So we went. Hmm. And when we got there, we laughing and talking and everything, and, and, and all my brothers and sisters, cousins, we all hang out together, aunt. And when um, a holiday comes, my whole family, they always have a barbecue. That's all we know. They have a huge barbecue with family and friends, and back then we had big backyards, and that's what we did in Fry Fish. And um, so my mother said, um, I want you to go and look up under the uh, table in the dining room. I went in there and pulled out, there was a big case in there. So me and my ex-wife looked. I pulled it out, that was the guitar that she had saw in the window and she went and bought it for me. Wow. And so I was outdone. That, I mean, words couldn't express (laughs) what she had done and how she spent her money, last money, uh, whatever she did to get me that guitar. And uh, um, to see somebody cry and just break down. And she said, well, this is for you. My mother was a very, uh, spiritual woman, but she was the type that she didn't want me to grow up just to only know one side of music. She wanted me to know blues. She wanted me to know gospel. She wanted me to know um, uh, jazz and all types of music because she said this would help you. She didn't want me to grow up in the church to be so religious. I didn't know how to relate to other things and other people, and she said that's what hurt. Uh, people and their kids, but not facing reality and, and, and facing the real world.
1: Right. right. So
2: I always remember that. <laughs> so she bought me that guitar. I didn't know how to play it, so I took it home. Now, Chuck Campbell, he used to play bass for, I mean, uh, uh, drums for me when he was a little boy. But he grew up, and we all stuck together. And he learned how to play steel guitar, pedal steel guitar. Hmm. Him and his ex-wife came over to Detroit, spent about four or five days with me, and showed me how to play that pedal steel guitar, and he's much younger than me. Well, he's in his 50s now. I'm 72 right now. Wow. Wow. And he is the one who came and showed me how to play the pedal steel, that MSA. Now, how
1: long did it take you to master those pedals?
2: Actually, um, that's when I really started practicing. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was new and different. And I would take it to church every Sunday and practice and play. Well, to me, it'd be practicing, but on the people that I was with at, at my regular church service. And, uh, uh, and then I started taking it uh, with me everywhere I played. Um, after, it didn't take long to start mastering or, or, or start learning the art and technique of it because my style of music was already different. So I started learning how to play certain pedals and certain things, not like country guys, but according to my uh, tuning and 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 so certain strings i had going to certain pedals not like all the rest of them where they could play pedals and play play like the country and western guys uh mine wasn't set like that it was set geared toward lead and then i want to say uh prop rock because uh, one day my cousin Lutitia i believe it was introduced me to Yes, I believe in 67. She said, I want you to hear this group. They're different and they play steel guitar in some of their songs. And so uh, she took me to the concert and we went to the concert. I was so blown away because they were more different than any rock group I ever met in my life. Yeah. And so I started going to see them every time they came to town. Or if they were in Detroit, i leave. I mean, I'd see them in Detroit, then I would leave and go see them in Cleveland. And then I started paying attention to how they played, how different they were, and they became my favorite group. So I would buy their albums and listen to them all the time. And Jimi Hendrix because they were different from anybody else. And so they became my favorite groups, but yes, were my number one group that I would listen to. So I would develop different sounds that they would make and bring them into my music and play them and nobody else could do it. And then later later on as we developed and got better, then I started playing with the different delay boxes and developing and progressing from there
1: that's fascinating now I'm glad you brought up the delays and everything because when I was yes. listening you know like not everybody who plays steel guitar gets into those textures the way you do um, ah. yeah man and I was watching some of those I was watching some of those YouTube clips and I'm going oh oh he, he knows what he's doing with this because because, yeah, man, because, cause, you know, those delays are perfectly timed and elegant and 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 just, they're just, you know, for the tempos. And I mean, we're not talking about tap tempo things. You dialed it in. Uh, man. Well, playing
2: with these guys, um, um, uh, playing with the van, um, and then actually I learned how to do that in church because, like, with the drums going a certain beat uh, and doing different things, and I would sit home and uh, um, 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 listen at a tape of us playing, and then I would try to set the delay box uh, many different ways, and then I would practice at my home church. That's where I did a lot of practicing on the people that I'm with. Um, uh, They didn't know any difference. To them, everything was different and new, And I played for a bunch of older people at the church I was at because they didn't have a music because musicians didn't want to play at the church where I was because the people were old, uh, much older, and they were real settled and whatnot. But they didn't bother me because they didn't have no music and they appreciated it. And so I was able to practice that. And then when I go out of town... And, and 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 present it and start playing it in the church. Then everybody else would run and try to look at the pedals to see what I had. <laughs> Sometimes I just pick the pedals up, put them in my pocket, and, uh, and hide them because people would come and take stuff.
1: Oh yeah,
2: I I it. Happen. take stuff and I leave it in my picks and everything, and uh, uh, then I would take it back when I get ready to play. Um, um, and so musicians would um, try to watch everything you do. And so it made me more progressive uh, in doing this and presenting this stuff in the church. Once I did it, then everybody else started doing it.
1: I'm telling you, so I was the
2: trend setter in church. And then um, when we started playing out, uh, some guys, would say, oh, that ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna do this. Some country and guy, Western guys have wrote. They hated our music or they didn't like the sound or or we use uh, these particular things, they don't do that, and this (laughs) and that. But I decided, hey, this is what we do, and so I decided to try it. And every concert we played in and everywhere we played, uh, we've had great success with uh, doing what we do with the steel guitar.
1: I I think it's brilliant because you you. you developed a unique... Sound that's that's beautiful and otherworldly and haunting and you know a lot of that has to do with your your technique and your approach, but also the way you've embraced those effects. You yeah, know, thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, what what delay box are you using on most of that stuff? It's um um
2: um um. Uh, let me look at it. I think I got Evans right um, um, right here, um,
3: hold on one second, okay,
2: I got an old one right here, digital delay,
1: the digital delay, interesting
2: and I need, I'm getting ready to upgrade it, I use a flanger right and there's another box that gives a very hard drive a red muck box that we uh, uh, actually it gives you like more uh, more um, um um makes you just get out there and give you a different sound a different tone and then I use a uh, another box not not a wah uh, wall box but um oh what is that box called um it's like a
1: mute a mutron something like, it, it's getting like wah, 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 right wah. yeah yeah it's a filter box yeah and that's
2: what I use a dynamic filter
1: that's awesome.
2: So so I don't yeah. like to use what everybody else is using. So those are my basic sounds that I really like using. And that's what I use.
1: I thought I heard a little bit of overdrive on some of those things where you kicked yes, it in. Cause
2: I have an overdrive that pushes to a different length, uh to different ways that... Uh, If I'm doing a solo or different thing, then I'll push it into that Mm -hmm. um, uh, overdrive, and then I'll do a lot of uh, delay work and then come out of it, and then I'll do a lot of the uh, um, filter.
1: That's fantastic, man. That's just... Oh, man, that is so cool. And and you've been using, the, I noticed you use a plastic thumb pick, right? Yes, yes. And metal finger picks, is that correct? Right. 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 And that's been your thing for a long time, right?
2: Yes, yes, yes. Now, years ago, before they got into the metal finger picks, we used to use the plastic finger picks. Right. They broke all the time, but we have a,
1: bag full of them yeah 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 they because I don't
2: make those no more I don't hardly see them I don't see them anymore
1: well they, I yeah I wonder you know I bought a bunch of them before you know like I don't know like 15 years uh, ago know. <laughs> you know but I don't know if they make them anymore either because you know I've just been kind of hoarding the ones I have <laughs>
3: yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so you know you you know i I keep everything in a special place because like you like you said things disappear sometimes the truth
3: they they do they do they
1: do now i don't know how let me ask you and i bet you this goes back to your mother but you know i really dig your singing too you know i mean it's just beautiful and it just suits the music and your, and it counteracts your playing, so it's just like weaves in there. Now, that came from your mom, right?
2: Yes, yes, because she's the same all the time in travel uh, within the church.
1: And did, did you work on that against your pedal steel? Like, did you say, okay, well, uh, I know my voice has to fit in a certain timbre uh, and a tone to go against the steel, or did you work on them separately?
2: No, matter of fact, um, 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 my mother one day was uh, they had called her to sing and my mother's getting older and she said you know well, this was when I was small and she said my, I'm going to have my son to sing in my place and I had no idea and I was singing a song she taught me how to play on Glory Glory and I would sing that and then after that they started calling me to sing and the more I grew up they started calling me to sing. And uh, so both of them together, I guess kind of worked together because I've done it so much. Uh, I didn't care for singing and then being in the band. When I had my band, my wife would help me sing. I was really trying to get her to do most of it. And then I wind up doing it and because I, I write songs and I knew the songs and how I wanted them to go. Uh, nobody else really knew how to how to uh, make those changes that I wanted at the time, so I was just going
3: and, and uh, do it. So it became natural. To right. Me. I had no problem
2: working on those two together.
1: It's all song based to you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah man i tell you uh, calvin it's been such a pleasure talking to you man i could talk to you all i could talk to you all day man you know um uh oh and uh, we should talk about like i guess you got to work with robert right randolph a little bit uh right
2: right well actually um um robert learned how to play for me
3: oh when
2: i used to go and babysit for robert and his sisters and them no. when they were babies because i used to go up and visit his dad and mother at the time his like everybody's split up but his dad and mother i used to go there and visit them and they would go out and i would um uh, babysitting robert and them and then as robert grew up robert stayed around me all the time and uh the hotel when we come to nashville he would come here and visit uh, Be with my kids, and um, how Robert got started. One day we had a sacred had a sacred steel convention, I believe it was in Florida, um, and and uh, so we had different people come to hear us play. I had many uh, different types of uh, steel guitar players, young ones, uh, come and play. And so one day, uh, one of the guys, he used to work, I guess, with the newspaper, uh, or I can't think of his name. I, I, I think I could, hope I can call it. Uh, but he called me over and uh, my wife now, Grace, he called us over to his table and uh, we were talking. We were having a break from the music. He said, "Calvin, how would you like to uh, leave and and start exploring your music and going out playing? And uh, I said, well, let me think about it. Let, let me uh, think about this. And so another guy named Bob Stone who helped create the music and helped us a lot with our Hui records. Matter of fact... Bob Stone wrote a book on us, and it would give you a, a big insight.
1: I saw uh, that on the web. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm that, gonna grab that.
2: That will give you a huge insight on us who are playing inside the church. And so, uh, um, Bob Stone said, "My suggestion, Calvin, you know, that maybe you should stay with the church and stick with the church." And so I said, "Well, me and my wife." And then we called Robert over. And so, we said, the guy's name is Jim Markle, that's his name. Jim Markle. So Robert, so we called Robert over when we discussing it with Robert, me and my ex, me and my wife. And we discussed it with Robert and said, what do you think? Robert said, yeah, man, I ain't doing nothing. The church ain't paying us nothing. He said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll
3: go. And he was,
2: he was young.
3: Yeah. He had learned. he had learned how to play very fast.
2: Uh, I was the first guy who used to play fast, but then Chuck Campbell learned uh, and developed more and became faster, and then Robert Randolph became faster than all of us. Now, everybody's <laughs> playing fast um, <laughs> like that. But, uh, but then what happened, Robert said, yeah, I'll go. So Jim took with Robert. And robert. oh so that's God. how
1: that happened okay well yes. Yeah, so that's how that happened well listen if you're close to robert i want to talk to i want to talk to the campbell brothers right uh yeah, okay. and, and i want to talk to robert um you know because this is like uh, this is a very important section of the book for me because i I've, I've got moved by all this by You know, oh Ah. gosh, like twenty years ago when I was living in New York, I heard Robert for the first time. You know, did you like
2: him?
1: Oh my God, I was like, who is this kid? Yes. It like knocked it like my head exploded. And I mean, you got to understand, like you know, we were all like little rocker kids, and and we were doing sessions, and and somebody says, hey man, we got this guy coming in. He's he's a steel player but he's not like any other steel player you've ever heard and we're like yeah yeah whatever and uh Uh you know he comes in and you know you could have pinned us against the wall and we're, we're and and so that sent me on a whole journey that's really where the slide thing started for me because that's when i got yeah i got obsessed so so that's brought me into it deeper and I got deeper into jazz as well but but uh, man yeah yeah so I want to make this a very special section of the book um, Okay. if you can spread the word and you know I'd love to talk to these guys and I'm glad I talked to you first I can't believe I got to do this interview with you man you just you're an inspiration and you just blow Thank my you, so you blow my mind
2: <laughs> well, all of these guys all of these guys I have to say uh, Chuck Campbell and I play in the Slide Brothers band together.
1: Oh, wow. okay. Um, uh, Robert,
2: Robert um, and I are still very, very close. Well, when he started, Robert took me all over the country with him when he was making nothing. And he um, introduced me into a lot of things. And then when he got a contract, um, he helped me a great deal in oh, doing wow. a lot of stuff. Yeah. And one thing about it, he never forgot, especially me, because he done a lot for me. And he's the one who helped bring the Slide Brothers in, who managed and produced us, and uh, with people that he worked with. And that's why. And then one day he said, "Hey, Cook, we're the only ones doing this. So why don't we just get the super guys together and and do this together? And this is how they started." Wow. And uh, then from time to time, him and I do shows together. He'll call me up, hey, Cook, come on, let's, let's do this. Let's do that. <laughs> and um, 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 then a lot of times he calls and just talks to my wife. And I never hear from him. And that's how close we are. And uh, so we keep up. And he's the one who, along with um, uh, John McDermott is the one who manages our band. John McDermott runs the Jimi Hendrix Tour.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, he runs the Jimi Hendrix Tour. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready to play for that when they come here. So I'll be meeting, meeting them. And John John McDermott is the one who runs our band. And April, I think we hit in the Finland.
1: That's the only thing I heard so far. But then they sent us all over the country. That's fantastic.
2: And so it's just been a joy. It hasn't been for Robert. Uh, the things I'm doing now have not had happened because of him. And, and he didn't have to do it, and he's done it. And then the, the musicians, i tell you, the, the best musicians, Robert Randolph, uh, Chuck Campbell... Uh, A lot of younger guys that come up behind them, they are so great. They count me as the old guy now, but they stick by me and they still work with me and uh, help me out and um, uh, do a lot for me, and I appreciate that. I couldn't find a better crew than all the musicians that, that I work with.
1: That is a beautiful thing, man. That really, that's the essence of why we do music, no? Him know okay, and I'm
2: gonna get in touch, touch with Chuck and um, and um, and um, 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 Robert. I think Robert is on tour, he'll be coming this way soon. Uh, I'll be seeing him, and we talk from time to time. And then uh, Chuck and I keep in contact, and uh, I'll
3: give him your number, That'd and,
1: be uh, great.
2: Uh, and then I'll make sure
1: you'll get number okay great that would be fantastic yeah. and i'll work around their schedules i'll make it easy for them
0: so that was calvin cook on episode five of the slide area in the upcoming episodes we'll have sonny landreth Debashish, shish badashara um uh jack pearson johnny highland many 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 greats um i have far too many to mention but we're gonna again try to mix it up pedal steel lap steel we've got Doug Cox who put me together with uh, Calvin Cook Mike Brenner my buddy Mike Brenner who put me together with Deb Sheesh uh, the list is endless we're just going to try to get to all of them I'm trying to put one up every few weeks here um, while I'm working on this book about slide guitar so I hope you enjoyed that and you come back next time and Please uh, keep the cards and letters coming. Once again, I'm your host, Ed Pedersen, for the slide area. Take care.